Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, if the audio is a little bit off, it's because I'm doing like a makeshift thing right now, guys. Um, I just have my Apple earphones plugged into the headset and I'm doing it straight on the app. So there's nothing fancy going on here except that, um, uh, I don't know, I would consider myself a little bit fancy. A little bourgeois, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. Either way... Uh, nevertheless, you didn't come to hear about how bougie I am or am not. You came to hear some of that good word, that good teaching. And so, hey, you guys, we've been talking about um, the kingdom of God. We've been doing a whole series on the kingdom of God. I believe this is episode probably 108. Dang, 108 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. I I think I've been doing this since um, probably sometime in July. Maybe even April? I'm not exactly sure. Um, But hey, we have been talking about the kingdom of God. And it has been very... We've been learning some good stuff, guys. If you've been really studying along, if you've been um, going about it in in a very... Like the way that Christians should, which is to go and search and study the scripture. Don't ever just take what somebody says at face value. Don't ever take any interpretive lens um, just because you think you agree with it or maybe you even don't agree with it always go and double check right we talked about the law of double witnesses right that a matter is established on the testimony of two witnesses and so with that being said we we talked a little bit about the territory of the kingdom of god in our last episode but it got kind of cut short and so the real main thing that we need to understand as we continue moving forward just to really lay the foundation is that God is the creator of all things. He owns everything by the right of creation. And so because he owns everything by the right of creation, that is, and not only in the material universe, but also in the spiritual universe, um, we have to understand his purpose for uh, creating all things. And his purpose was to manifest his glory. And either what God wants and starts gets done or it is not accomplished, Right. Uh, either God says he's going to do something and he does it or it doesn't happen. And so here's the difference between those who believe God and trust him on faith. Faith is not you believing um, in God for what you can do or according to what you have purpose. Faith is you believing him at his word and trusting his promises concerning what he said that he would do. And it has really less to do with you believing in yourself and, or you believing in anything else other than God said what he was going to do. And I think he plans to do that, right? Because he has the power to do so. And so um, in the Old Testament, we see this, this type. Israel was a type of the church. And um, not only was Israel a type of the church in Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles, but um, the land of Canaan was also a type, and it was a shadow of the fulfillment that was to come. Uh, remember that the land of Canaan was the promised land. And so we are kind of thinking of it as a scale model that was designed to show us God's intent, um, his intent for the entire earth. And so uh, God is not merely the God of Canaan. He is not merely the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he is actually the God of the whole earth, and the whole earth belongs to him. And so under the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant was the first method which God set forth to bring about his purpose. But it was designed to fail um, because God intended actually for men 
to learn their own limitations. I think God does something really cool, and um, He teaches us by the law of negation, which is essentially, here's how not to do it, and I'm going to show you how to do it. And it's an interesting way of going about it. I'm not going to criticize God for, how, for his, his teaching skills. But what I will say is um, what happens is you should learn how not to do it. And then he shows us uh, what to do. And so the old covenant is just that. It was designed to fail, guys. There was just no way that it was possible that we were going to be able to keep uh, the law of God under the old covenant. Because the old covenant put responsibility on man to be obedient to God. And to try to establish the kingdom of God through his own effort and through his own will and through his own ability to fulfill the promise to be obedient. Remember in Exodus 19, chapter 19, verse 8, where the people said, all that you have said, we will do. Even though they rejected the voice of God, uh, they said, we will obey his voice. How can you reject someone's voice and yet still obey it? It's, um, it's, it seems to me that double-mindedness was working in the hearts of the Israelites even at that time, which shows that you can get the people out of Egypt, but it's harder to get the Egypt out of the people, right? And, uh, I, and I think that's another portion too, where yes, of course, like Jesus is salvation. Yes, it's, of course, it's by the blood alone. It's by grace through faith in him, what he has done, right? Uh, but after, after that sal salvific point, after you have come into the kingdom, become a citizen of the kingdom. You have to learn how to be a citizen of the kingdom. Uh, you have to learn how, to, how the things of the kingdom work. And that is what is called discipleship, guys. Learning how the kingdom works is discipleship. Um, the gospel of salvation is you, uh, the process by which you become a citizen. The gospel of the kingdom of God is the process by which you learn how to become a citizen. Or how to not only become a citizen, but how to live as a citizen. How to live as a citizen. Um, and this is particularly, I would say this is particularly important because I think the main church, I think the church today, I, to be honest, it's not, it, it, there is a lot of people trying to establish the kingdom on their own efforts, by their own will and in their own ability. We got to bring the kingdom, brother. Well, we just got to go live that kingdom, brother. We just, well, it's just about the kingdom of God, brother. Um, but they're making the kingdom all about salvation instead of discipleship and about uh, how to live, walk, act, think, and submit to, to, the, to the will of God. So, um, of course, the old covenant has to do with your promises and our promises to be obedient to him so that the covenant can be fulfilled. Um, but that's, that's placing our confidence in the flesh, guys. And because of this body of death that we are in, um, it is impossible for us to keep our promises to God apart from his promise to do so in us. The new covenant altogether is amazing and, and very different from the old covenant. Where the old covenant is based upon your promise to be faithful to God in order to establish and maintain relationship, the new covenant is based upon his promise to you. So God established a new covenant. And he took the responsibility upon himself to bring righteousness to the earth. In the new covenant, God says, I will and you will. And because he will, we will. And it contrasts with the old covenant, which said, if you will. The fulfillment of the new covenant depends fully 
upon God's ability and not upon our actual ability. And so further, the, the territory of the kingdom of God was increased. So looking back at, uh, in the, looking over to the Middle East, we have this small strip of land in Palestine uh, to the entire earth, right? So it started at this, as this little this strip of land in Palestine, and then it, it spread to the entire earth. So I'm going to run through very quickly through some history right here. So God evicted Judah from Canaan in the days of Jeremiah. Why? Um, because the people there were lawless. And they were to go into a 70-year captivity. And after this time, the people would go back to uh, Jerusalem and life would return to what it was earlier times. Um, but... In Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, it revealed that Babylon was only the head of gold on a much larger image. And this image represented the captivity uh, of, it represented the captivity of them not only by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, but also uh, Medo-Persia. And not only Medo-Persia, but also Greece. And Medo-Persia was represented by the two arms of silver. Greece was represented by the belly of bronze. And then finally, Rome was the legs of iron. So even though it seemed, yes, we have our, our, after 70 years of captivity, that that was it, it didn't end there. The captivity didn't end there. Why? Because the lawlessness never ended there, guys. Uh, They still continue to interpret the laws of God in the way that they believed was correct. They still try to bring forth the kingdom of God in their own strength, by their own will, in their own way. And unfortunately, you can't do with God's stuff whatever you want to do. God owns it by the right of creation, and um, he has the legal authority to remove it from people if they are not using it according to, um, to, the, to the will of God. And so um, we have Babylon, then Persia, Medo-Persia, then Greece, and then Daniel saw something. In Daniel chapter 7 verse verse 8, uh, he saw a little horn. You guys remember this little horn? Well, that little horn was fulfilled by the Papal Rome. The Papal Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, after the fall of Imperial Rome in 476 AD. So God allowed uh, these people and these rulers to, to rule the earth, guys. And um, eventually, what Daniel ended up seeing, I believe is in Daniel 7, chapter verse 24 or so, um, eventually what he ended up seeing was that the Most High, that is Yahweh, Yahuwah, God, uh, would give the saints, his saints, the jurisdiction and the authority on and in the earth. And only when he gave it to them would uh, the, the, the captivity to Babylon um, end, right? It's, it's a type of Babylonian captivity. It's a spiritual thing. And right now we are living in that, in that um, under that Babylonian captivity. You guys see all the craziness, the murder, the, the violence, the evil, the sexually explicit things. This, you guys know that sex trafficking generates billions and billions of dollars. That pornography generates billions and billions of dollars. You guys understand that we are living in a world that is, is totally uh, depraved. It is 
so, so sad, guys. It is so sad. And why is that? Because these rulers, these spiritual rulers and authorities in the heavenly places um, have, have taken upon themselves to, to, to think that they own, own the land and that they own things. And um, they don't, guys. They don't. Um, and unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for us, we are living in a time where Babylon is actually falling, guys. And we are actually entering in, into an age where um, Jesus is uh, returning, Christ is coming in a people, and these people will be given authority in the earth. And so when we look at the New Testament, we find that the saints are given authority, not by the power of the first covenant, but by the, the power of the new covenant. So God is allowing this stuff to happen, guys. God is allowing this world um, to be taken captive and he is using this Babylonian secession of empires to you um, to really unite the the earth, even as Nimrod, uh, Babylonian's founder, had attempted to unite mankind by conquest in the beginning, and we see this in Genesis chapter eleven verse four. So um, God used Babylon and Babylon's intent for His own purpose, that is to enlarge the scope of the kingdom to include to include the whole earth. So when God overthrows Babylon, which he is going to do, and there is Babylonian captivity in America just as much as there is anywhere else in the world. In fact, it's, it is so potent in America. It, it's, people are so deceived that, they don't, that we can't see it at all. But there is, and it is going down. Uh, he is able to make, uh, excuse me, take all of its assets one at a time and lay claim to the whole earth. And so... While Christians may become alarmed at Babylon's attempt to bring about a one-world government, you guys heard about this one-world government, a new world order, one-world religion, a global economy, destroying national borders. If you understand the divine plan, and if you believe in the sovereignty of God, then you would understand, and you'd be, you'd be able to watch that these these developments are not going to be the final say. They're not going to be the end. And you can see these things without fear. So God is going to take what these people have built and regulated according to his own law and incorporate it into his kingdom. So even though Jesus is king, um, even though all of heaven and earth uh, belongs to him, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, uh, we do not yet see all things in submission to him yet. Why? Because um, that takes time. History is the process of the working out of the plan of God. Um, so that all things would be gathered together in one that is Christ. And so these unwitting employees, they'd have no idea what they're doing. They, they, are, they are essentially working for, for God, and they don't even know it. And they're called to organize the kingdoms of this world on behalf of the kingdom of God. And when their work is done, God is going to take it. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says this, the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in the heavens, saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign for the ages of the ages. And Jesus said that his faithful servants, who did not oppress others, will be given authority over his house. Where do we read this at? In Luke chapter 12, verse 42 through 44. And the Lord said, 
Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds doing when he comes. So truly I say unto you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So it's the faithful servants, guys, who are put in authority of the possessions. So the criteria for rulership is given in terms of treating other people with love, kindness, mercy, rather than with injustice and oppression. And you can be, you can treat people with uh, injustice and oppression just by the doctrine that you preach. Important to understand that too. Just some of the doctrine that we preach is filled with um, injustice and oppression. So we have to be careful about what we're teaching, right? Um, with regards to the doctrine of Christ. So if, uh, if we learn love, kindness, humility, justice, oppression, if we learn righteousness according to um, what Messiah, Christ, is teaching, then, um, then we will qualify, guys. We will qualify by our manner of life in this present, of, present age. We will qualify, guys, in, by our manner of life. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, um, he calls these rulers the people of the saints of the Most High. And they are given jurisdiction in the kingdom of God. And in the age to come, when the stone kingdom smashes the image of Babylon upon its feet. You know, the stone kingdom is coming, guys. And it's going to smash Babylon and its system and its one world government and its, and its brutal um, way that it treats people and this whole system that is keeping people enslaved and indoctrinated and in fear. You guys see how this is connecting with anything that's going on today in this world? Don't be deceived, guys. God wins in the end. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, we read, And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and, and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Who will these saints be, guys? Some Christian Zionists believe them to be the Jews of Israel, or Palestine, really, and these people who are converted at the last minute. But um, the New Testament is super, super clear that they will be Christians, and not just Christians, but overcomers. They will have made a full journey through Passover. Remember, Passover is by faith. Through Pentecost. Pentecost is a sanctifying sanctifying work that is done um, by the Holy Spirit in the hearts uh, of those who are submitted to him. It is the burning of the flesh, fleshly nature, guys. It is submitting to God and doing away and putting off the old man, putting on the new man. And the ones who have caught the vision of going beyond Pentecost into the Feast of Tabernacles. If you don't know Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, and how they relate um, with regards to their prophetic and spiritual significance. Um, I encourage you to go back and look at, um, I think we did one on the feasts. Uh, one of the podcasts is, is on the feasts. I encourage you to go back and look at that and find out and see the uh, the spiritual and prophetic significance of the feasts of of God. So, and of course, without knowing that, we, 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 we won't really have a good grasp on um, biblical prophecy at all. It's really impossible, to be honest without an understanding of the feasts. So, 
this idea that Jewish Jewish people or Jews will be able to convert to Christ and then immediately qualify for rulership in the kingdom is kind of crazy, right? Because it's mistakenly based upon the belief that one's genealogy or your bloodline is sufficient, your physical bloodline that is, to be a ruler in the kingdom of God. They assume that the Jews are Israel and that a mere Passover experience, which is just faith in the blood, will qualify them to rule in the world. It's not scriptural, guys. It is not scriptural. And for those of you who are in the church today who are listening to this message, yes, um, if you have faith in the blood, it is not over, guys. That is just the first portion. We got to move on. We got to keep going. We got to um, strive towards the, the, to the high prize, guys, the high calling. And um, I think that's what Paul did. And I think that... Um, you know, I think that he was he was on he was on his mission doing that. So, um, with all this being said, guys, um, Revelation chapter twenty verse six says that these overcomers will reign with him a thousand years until the end of the Sabbath day or the millennium, and um, this will bring a close to the first week from Adam, seven thousand years, six years, one day is like a thousand years, right? And so, with the Lord, and so. That's and the Hebrew understanding, spiritual understanding is essentially that every there's, it's been 6,000 years since Adam. And then there's going to be a thousand years with uh, with that is the Sabbath day. And um, that's the millennium. That's the, the rule of the kingdom. And um, so. The next phase of the divine plan begins after the Sabbath day. And all the dead will be raised, they will be judged, and all the unbelievers will be in subjection to the body of Christ. They will bow to Christ, they will confess him as Lord at that time. Further, it's important that you understand this, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, even though that they will confess him as Lord. So this will be the Passover experience Justification by faith, them believing and trusting in Jesus that he is Lord and he is the ruler of all things and that he had made a price for them because why? They just got raised by the dead by his power. Of course, they're going to recognize mm, this is uh, this is hard not to believe since I'm literally seeing it with my own eyes that I was dead and now I'm alive. And in that time, um, they will have their Passover experience, justification by faith. People who are dead. They will, they will believe. All will come, become to believe. There, there will be, not be any unbelievers at the end of this, at the end of the age. When it's all said and done, um, they will be believers. But they have to learn righteousness, and they have to go through Pentecost until the final age to come, until the creations, uh, until creations jubilee, um, when all creation will experience the freedom of the sons of God. And this is written about in Romans chapter, I believe, it's chapter eight. So, hey guys, uh, blessings to you and peace from God our Father. I hope uh, you got something out of this. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the whole earth, the territory of the whole earth, and what it means um, that the kingdom of God is be no longer limited to um, Canaan or Palestine or any other place. But God will rule over the whole earth. And so we'll uh, get into a little bit of this um, in our next episode. And remember, uh, I'll leave you with this. Numbers chapter 14, verse 12. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord.
all the earth will be filled. You know that the um, early church fathers actually said that man is earth in a suffering state. Isn't that poetic and deep and sad and beautiful? All right, guys. uh, I'm going to let you go. I'll see you on our next episode. Blessings to you and peace from God.